namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa uttang dhammang sankhang namasami our our practices uh, of mindfulness, awareness, meditation. I always like to talk about just beginning, beginning with very ordinary things, and then understanding the more complex and how to be free from suffering. And the most ordinary thing is just sense experience, is sound, bodily contact. These are very simple things, and part of our training, great part of our training, is learn to be with just the simplicity of touch, of taste, of sound, uh, and try to bring our attention to that in a way we're not um, in a way where we have no real agenda of getting anything from the experience. So if we just um, feel the weight of our thighs and the weight of our body on the cushion and learn to attend to that without desire, without an agenda, what we should start to notice is that in that there's really no self-making, no eye-making, no mind-making. And that's not, not something you look for with desire, it's something more simple where just by attending to a sense base with no agenda, then the, the thinking mind doesn't engage the situation and the sense of self isn't being created. And this we, we're, we're, we're required or asked to do all the time, walking to the workshop, opening the handle of the door, feeling heat, these are very simple things. So. It, this is extraordinarily simple, but the complexity of our thinking minds and the momentum of our desire patterns uh, takes us into past and future and, and all the rest of it. So that mm, one needs to intend to do that, just to uh, intend to be present to some very obvious coarse physical object is very, very helpful, very helpful, just in eating, just intending to the texture of food or to the feeling of the spoon in your hand is not it's not a matter of control like you're trying to force yourself but you're we're grounding ourselves in the ordinary just in the ordinary and what we're trying to notice that also that's not something you become it's not something you get in a future kind of experience, future possibility, but something, it's a kind of remembering of this moment. And if there is no sense of trying to get something out of this moment, then you'll see that the sense of the person isn't there, it's just pure experience. Travel is, uh, we're so conditioned, or say the sensualist or the hedonist or the materialist is always conditioned to 
very often look at sense experience with the, with an agenda of desire to get something out of the experience. So that's not wrong. I remember this is what came to me a memory of a friend, a Ukrainian friend in Toronto who made his own pickles. <laughs> and he once demonstrated how great his pickles were by totally indulging in a pickle in front of me. <laughs> I was very impressed actually how happy he was with this pickle. It was kind of slobbering into the sink and so on, but he's very happy. <laughs> That's essentialist, isn't it? That's the hedonist who is kind of um, absorbing into sense experience for pleasure and then avoiding displeasure. There's nothing wrong with that. You go for a swim in the lake when you're hot. Uh, you choose to put sugar in your coffee, so that's not, that's not immoral. But to attend to uh, simple physical objects without the agenda of desire is, is, is not, it, it, it's, it's simple to say, but oftentimes in our meditation practice we're attending to the object with the desire to get peace or to have, to get rid of something, whatever, but actually just the simplicity of touching, hearing, and using that as a basis for grounding yourself. This should be doing all the time, all the time. And we need to be reminded of that. So there's a difference between rushing to the workshop to get a hammer and moving to the workshop quickly with a sense of bodily awareness. This is what it feels like to be moving through space. Same, can take the same amount of time, but the attitude is different. And the intention needs to be made to do that. Constantly, constantly. So some, some of the phenomena that we experience are very, very easy to experience. Touch, heat, sound, simple, because they don't have a, they don't have the hook of, of pleasant or unpleasant, they're neutral. So we try to train in those things. But when the hook of Vedana, pleasant and unpleasant, uh, arises in the experience, then of course it's more difficult to pay attention in this way with no agenda. So if, um, let's say, you could be sitting here and you'd be quite attentive to sound, very simple, just listen to sound. And your mind could be quite peaceful. If you listen, if you're thinking about something else, then it's going to be there. But and then you find that that's really yeah, that works. It works nicely. And then one day maybe we get a guest who has a burping issue, and the guest sits down and they burp every five minutes. Now it's the same thing. It's just a sound, but now the sound might have a hook in it. That you don't like burping. Socially, you find it offensive or uh, you keep, it keeps interrupting your sense of what sound should be. And so there's a, a negative reaction. And maybe the person burps every five minutes. And at the end of the sitting, you're so annoyed and irritated at the person, or anticipating the burping. And that's all built up in the mind, isn't it? That's something that's created. Burp itself is as it is. Person is as it is. And that creation of stuff that we do is obviously where our suffering manifests where we get into trouble. So then the, the practice becomes more 
kind of acute in the sense that now not only is there uh, a sound, but now the sound has this trigger, trigger called unpleasant. You don't want, and then the attention you see has to be very, very uh, sharp on the, uh, very on the unpleasant nature of the experience. If not, the experience jumps into what does it jump into? It jumps into a sense of self. It jumps into personality. It jumps into psychiatry. Why? Why don't they just go sit in the other room? Who was their mother anyway? And how could they act like that or something like that? And so the the unpleasant, right? The unpleasant becomes the trigger and the, the vehicle for craving in a sense of self. And that can be known. You can know that. That's created. It's being created through thought. Whereas the sound itself is just natural. Sure, it's being created by the person, but it's just a sound. It's not something that's created from desire for sense of self. And so you, you, we use that, we use the very sense of unpleasant to see how a uh, sense of self can be created, and how it comes into the mind, how it, in itself it's an object, and rather than be the subject. And this is what we call sakayaditi, the first fetter, that creation through thought, um, through, uh, through contact pleasant, or unpleasant craving and attachment, that, that structure, uh, how that gets um, triggered. So what we can do? What what can we do with that? Well, you can, you you use that, don't you? You use that to, to, to just see. Well, what what is it? What is it about the mind that creates a sense of self? So there's a kind of self-inquiry, but it's not narcissistic. It's not about me and my problem. It's just seeing cause and effect and how it works. And then you can do things like if you really, if you really, really getting annoyed at this person. I mean, it's a ridiculous example, but one has to use examples. You get really annoyed at this person, then you can do really concrete things, like you can um, squeeze your hands. You can do that, can't you? You squeeze your hands. It's, let's say you're getting annoyed at someone, and that what happens is the annoyance is haunting, and your attention keeps draw, being drawn into the annoyance. And then there's the the self-judgment that I shouldn't have the annoyance and the whole thing gets caught up in Sakayaditi, in personality. And now you, you see, you've seen that pattern and so on, now you just do something very obvious. You, let's say, squeeze your hands. It's called white knuckle practice. <laughs> but you actually do that. You, and to do that, what do you have to do? You have to have enough awareness to know that this is an object. If you just, if one is just lost in the analysis of the anger, or in really believing in the anger, then that whole confusion just is that it's a whole mass of suffering. But you notice that you've been there. Now you just do something simple, like squeeze your hands, and just focus on 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 something very coarse and rough. Squeezing hands is natural. It feels this way. That's a, that's a function of nature. And then you, you have a kind of contrast to the mind wanting to go to react to that. And you see the movement, you see the, the, the way the sense of self wants to be created, you just squeeze your hands. So now you have a kind of refuge in, in tactile sensation. Now if you squeeze your hands in order to get rid of anger, that's still desire. You want to get rid of desire, anger, that's not about it, it's just, it's just like listening to sound. You don't have to do it with desire. You can do it neutral, can't you? 
say you can squeeze your hands just for the sake of squeezing your hands. But now you get something really interesting. You got this, and you have this habit of annoyance, and then burp <laughs> comes up, and and then you feel you can see you can feel the mind want to go with it. Ah, what do the hands feel like? So you move from that the haunting nature of that mental habit, emotional habit, to something more concrete. Because some of these habits that we have, we, we, we're too fascinated by them. We, we kind of have this perverse interest in them. So we analyze them and we judge ourselves and then they get triggered by things. But actually we're just caught and, and involved with Sakaiditi, the first fetter. We're just caught in it all the time, analyzing our fears and angers and desires or judging them or think we shouldn't have them or, or kind of really distracting and maybe watching eating a lot or Netflix or whatever but this is very ne- this is very neutral actually just squeezing your hand something like that it could be anything couldn't it it could be you put an ice cube on your on your wrist or something like that but now you just take a coarse sense object and see the mind's interest in this this mind's uh, obsession with this and say well that's that's a movement that can be known. That's an object. Then the person you talk to them later, and then maybe you you you, you blow your cool and you tell them they shouldn't be burping. They tell you they've got esophageal ca- cancer, and then you feel guilty. <laughs> so then it gets more compounded. And you're sitting there, and the burping's going, and you hate them, but you also feel guilty about hating them. And then you get caught in this tangle of self-analysis. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah, but they shouldn't. Uh, but then you just squeeze your hands. Something very, very simple. And I do believe our culture is so complicated with its self-analysis that it does become narcissistic. It's not about the objective movement of consciousness, of conscious uh, object. It's about me. Me and my problems and, and my fascinations and, and all of that. So it's not really coming from awareness of Sakaiditi, it's coming from Sakaiditi itself, the self-analysis. And that won't free you. That will not free you. That will just keep you going in, in, in the tangle of thought uh, and, and doubt. Whereas to know something like, say, in this case, aversion as aversion, when the sound comes up, and not be fascinated by it, not pick up Sakaiditi, is the beginning of the end because now it's no longer being fueled through craving, through attachment to craving. Now these, 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 these kind of, we, you know, as human beings we have, we have senses, we have the five senses, but we also have the mind sense, the, the mono, the, the mind, and, and the mind produces things which are very hard to be aware of in this same way we can be aware of a neutral sound. Being aware, say, of an unpleasant memory, an unpleasant memory has the same characteristic as a, new, as a sound, but it might not be so neutral because it's unpleasant. And then if it's really loaded with resentments or regrets or guilt, then when that memory comes up, it's much more difficult not to, again, be engaged in it in this haunting way of attachment and sakaiditi personality view. And then the stories can be so quick, can't they just come out? So using using um, using very obvious tactile objects or 
sound objects as, as a constant monitoring of what's actually going on and to see that yeah, the feeling of hardness is real it's something I'm creating that sound is real how, how I define it I can define it as um, pleasant or unpleasant but that's that's afterwards but the sound itself is just the way it is I'm not creating that it's nature that's dharma the nature of sound coming and going and if I if I use that then I begin to kind of what you might think of as a refuge in Dharma. It's just the reality of this moment. Is this way awareness of the reality of this moment? And then the difficulty is applying that to things like memory, habit, emotional response, all the self-definitions that we have, all the shoulds and shouldn'ts culturally conditioned into us through parents or whatever. The shoulds of others and shoulds of others, the political views, the aesthetic views, um, you know, all the nine yards of the, of the human condition, all those seemingly real and concrete and, and important things. Um, you see, well, they're just they're just movements of the jitta of the mind. They're not they're not more than that. So then you you have the challenge around like the like attachment to views, political views or aesthetic views or whatever. How how um, it's okay to have views, but how 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 does the sense of self arise with a viewpoint? Viewpoint is something that comes up from conditioning, through study, through through whatever ways we get opinions. Some are some are well grounded in in, in observation. Some are um, in rumors or whatever. There, but opinions are just mental objects. They come and go, and we need them. You know, we, need to have, we need to have some kind of uh, ideas about how we're going to function, which is okay, which is all right. But when does an opinion get loaded with sakaya ditti? When, when does my, my judgment about something or my preference for something or my take on something become loaded with self-thinking, me and my thinking, sakaya ditti, and that would source fetter. And, and it can be very convincing internally and externally, it can be very, very convincing. So there's a difference between, um, say, having an opinion and then uh, functioning from a place where that opinion is loaded with me and mine and you. So you have one opinion, I have another opinion, and I think about you, and I say, how could you have that opinion? How could you be so uneducated? I mean, that's just so foolish. Or I have an opinion, and, uh, and then I, I found, oh, well, how could I have such a silly opinion, whatever, but it's just an opinion. So what we're looking at a lot now is, is, is in, the, in the movement of the mind, is the creation of self, Sakaya Diti. This whole construct of, of, of personality which comes up through thought. And it's very powerful, very convincing, and very, very deluding. Not that individuality doesn't exist, not that some opinions are not... Uh, more well-grounded in, in observation or whatever, but it's the Sakai Ditti in it. That, 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 becomes, that becomes the problem. And so the um, kind of most direct teaching we get about that is that, is as you, most of you have read the Bahia Sutta, which is this really very, very simple and direct way of practice, the Buddha recommends to Bahia 
And so, just to remind you of that recommendation, and be here you should train thus, in the scene there should be just the scene, in the herd just the herd, in the sense just the sense, in the cognized just the cognized. And when by here in the scene there is just the scene, in the herd there is just the herd, in the sense just the sense, in the cognized there is just the cognized. Then by here, and there are many translations of this, one of them is that you will, you will not be in that. And when you will not be in that, there will be no you, no, no here, no there, nor in between. Just this is the end of ill. So there's many translations of that as you've read. I'm sure it's very enigmatic. But think about the burper. <laughs> Let's, you know, George the burper comes in and now you, you kind of know that he has esophageal cancer and, and you kind of have a sense of openness and then the burping comes up and it's just sound, you can do that, just sound, it's that way. Or then the previous episode, the night before, George the burper comes in and, uh, er, <laughs> and there's the unpleasant, there's the arising of, of craving from that. There's the attachment, there's the thought. How could he do that? shouldn't be doing that. I've got to tell him something. Yeah, but what? I have to tell him something. There's a you in that experience now. But in the herd, there's just the herd. Just sound. And then the draw of the unpleasant, but it's not attached to you through craving. craving. And there's just the sound, and there's no you in that. There's still hearing, there's still individuality, there's still functioning, but there's no sense of a a me and a him and, and all that suffering that we have, we have from that. This is very direct, isn't it? Very, very direct. But our, our culture, um, we, we, you know, I, th I should think in our culture is a kind of self-improvement culture, uh, and a lot of narcissism in our culture, a lot of kind of self-thinking, which is not really what Sankhyaditi is pointing to. So the, 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 the reference we have is more dependent origination, that these things depend. The feeling of unpleasantness depends on conditions. The feeling of un the craving arises from it dependent upon on, on, on un the unpleasant or the pleasant. Depends. So it's, it's, that's the way we talk about this flow of consciousness. We don't, you know, like as in, in the way of, 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 of Five kandas. We, we we talk about experience and dependent origination, not self. That's how we describe it. With this as condition, there's that. When there's this, that. When not, when this is not, that is not. And that's a way of 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 finding that place of peace within the movement of pleasant and unpleasant, and the abandonment of craving within that. Whereas, I you know I think what what goes down is as as Buddhism sometimes or is kind of trying to improve yourself to become a better person. That's all right, you know, and, and that's a kind of good intention. But you can see how if the position one takes is that um, I shouldn't be angry or you shouldn't be loud, uh, that whole position is no longer grounded in right view. It's grounded in personality view, psychiatry. But if this is seen as dependently originated, that the feeling of annoyance arises dependent on the sound, 
and that the craving and suffering that comes from that is dependent on attachment, and you understand what a non-attachment is, then it's not narcissistic. It's just flow of consciousness, what works and what doesn't work. It's no longer about um, me and my problems and my issues and I shouldn't be like that. All of that is sim simply seen as thought. So the squeezing your hand is not narcissistic <laughs> unless you get off on it. <laughs> but it's just, just kind of ordinary thing, isn't it? It's not, it's not like self-regard and self-concern and so on. So to improve yourself, fine. If you want to be a great orator, be a great orator. If you want to make furniture, make furniture. If you want to be a good scholar, be a good scholar. That's, that's all good. It's all very good. But the freeing of the mind, it, it, it's not the same kind of project. It's not the same kind of project. It's more the awakening to Dharma, to nature, to the nature of things. And this idea of, of, of refuge is very, very, very central to that that liberation again it's just when you when you when you when you notice like uh, just the sound of the fan in this room and you're awake to that movement and you know, that's real or I'm awake to Pavro moving to my right now that's sound right that's just real there's nothing good bad or indifferent on it I might create something around that. He might be embarrassed now by that. <laughs> but that's what he's creating, right? Self-consciousness. Hope you're not. <laughs> now that, there's a sound, there's just movement. And then a sense of self gets created from these very, very ordinary things. So taking refuge then, like just take refuge in, in, the, in sound, but in hearing rather than the quality of a sound. If you take refuge in the quality of sound, you're done, you're toast. The sound changes from pleasant to unpleasant to neutral, but just take refuge in in the herd. There is just herd. In the sense, there's just sense. There's no agenda there. There's no demand that it be beautiful or ugly, or whatever. It's just the way it is. It's that. And to do that is not so difficult. But what what is difficulty? Probably we don't make the intentions to do that. And we, we get um, taken up by uh, our, our the business of our lives or the, 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 the compelling scenarios of self that drive our thinking patterns. Uh, or, or, or we even pay attention with a desire to get enlightened. So you could, you could, you could take this in, in, the, in the scene, there should be just the scene, just this is the end of, of ill. And then you, then you try to do that to kind of put away your suffering. And there's desire there, desire not to suffer. So that doesn't have an agenda of desire. It's not about becoming, it's about being. In the cognized, just cognized, to, to, to kind of recognize that, that this is a memory, say. That's all it is. And not go to the 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 pattern habits of, of, of years of self-identity with a memory, say, or with a political viewpoint, or an aesthetic viewpoint, or, or whatever it is, to just see it's a, it's a viewpoint that arises and ceases. It's an aesthetic taste that arises and ceases. Yeah? And then, then that, that's, the, to see that as Dharma is harder. 
because this the, the, those things can be so loaded with with selfie. So again, like I was saying, we we begin with something just very ordinary, like the fan, very ordinary, neutral, and train with that. And that's why you say we use the breath. But even the breath, sometimes you train with the breath. There can be this subtle desire to control it. There is a me doing the breath, trying to get something from that. So sometimes, sometimes just hearing, touch, kind of more more ordinary things are very good. But notice how, how, how the challenge is to actually sustain that kind of awareness. Mind falls asleep. You go off into all kinds of things. So sustaining attention on the art is difficult because it's not interesting. It's not exciting. It's not like doing something challenging or dangerous. And, and that's, that's what the craving mind likes. It likes interesting things and fascinating things and, and so on. But if we're always dependent on fascination and interest, what do we do with the rest of life, which maybe isn't fascinating, interesting? Well, we think. That's what we do. When it's not interesting, we just think. So going from A to B, um, rather than just noticing the maybe the sound of the birds or the heat in the body, we think. And then we get there and then we forget what we're supposed to get. <laughs> and then we remember and then we get it and then we and we think again. So the neutral is the place of heedlessness, not the place of danger or excitement. The neutral is the place of heedlessness where the mind can just start thinking. And yet, because the neutral is, is not challenging in any kind of a um, emotional way, it can, it can be a beautiful place to develop just really strong presence. So that's why we do intentions. So you, start the workshop, you intend actually to notice the walking from A to B, from the workshop to the office, or uh, just getting up and bowing, making that an intention constantly, bowing carefully, and, and then the intention to, and then we get to all our, like our, our, our mindfulness trainings, is to put the tools away, to clean the tools and all of that, all that is very, very helpful, rather than to rush and get the job finished, actually to take care with a hammer, clean it off, and, and uh, a paintbrush, uh, just to, and to to care for cleaning our own spaces, like, like to take care of our kutis, to make our beds, to dust the cobwebs, to make sure the windows are clean. So Ajahn Chah would say that when you go back to your kuti, what does it look like? And if it's messy, he says that's what your mind looks like. And that, and that's simple. So this. You know, kawat is the grounding into the ordinary. The grounding in the ordinary is actually making your bed, of 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 tidying things up, of um, sweeping the leaves off your porch, sweeping the leaves in your meditation path, huh? putting stuff away like in the sala, not leaving stuff lying around or in the hallway, uh, putting your shoes neatly when you come in. All these little things are. Are, are really quite beautiful trainings in the ordinary and then if you do them really well they constantly take you to the silence of no self you constantly see the end of Sakaya Ditti just in that ordinary ordinary activity um, and that builds, that builds, that builds over, over time it just gets more and more clear alright, I'll leave that for your reflection <coughs> Sadhu